Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, Fusion family. Happy Monday. Happy first Monday of October, October 2nd. So good to have you all with us this morning as we kick off a new week, a new month together, right? Digging into God's word. So a couple quick announcements. Um, if you missed it yesterday, week two of our Identity Theft series. So good. These are amazing foundational um, messages, right? Our identity in Christ, whether you're, like Pastor Brian said yesterday, whether you're a new believer or a mature believer, right? We all need those reminders sometimes. So make sure you're catching up on this message series. It will change your life. All right. Um, second of all, this is the last week for trunk or treat signups. We have our friends and family weekend coming up Sunday, October 29th. Incredible time of bringing the community together with our church community, right? And having some great threshold crossing events to get people who don't normally come to church interested or feel comfortable, right? So one of the things we do is having a trunk or a treat, having a parking lot filled with some cars with decorations and candy to give out. So you provide the candy, you provide the trunk with the great decorations, all right? And there is a prize at each location, a prize for the best trunk. So you have until uh, this Friday, the 6th, to sign up if you're interested. Make sure you email outreach at fusionchurch.cc or speak to myself or um, Nick or anyone else on staff, and we'll make sure you get that link to sign up to be a connect uh, a trunk host, all right? So two quick things we're diving in. It's going to be an incredible way to start our morning, so let's pray in and let's get started. <sighs> Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for this morning we get to come together. It's still dark outside, God. Put your word as a light to our path. Pray now, Lord God, you would just speak into this, these moments, God. Let your Holy Spirit speak. May I decrease and you increase. Open our hearts, minds, eyes, and ears, Lord, to what you want to show us and speak to us this morning, Lord God, and move in the hearts and the homes of your people, God. Help us to build this region up, Lord, with your message and your truth, and guide us in what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, so, like I said, we're digging in this morning to 2 Samuel 10. So, grab your Bibles, grab your uh, phone, the scroll to that section, that chapter. And we'll dig in. All right. Second Samuel 10 in the New International Version. So we're reading it this morning. It's entitled, David Defeats the Ammonites. In the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hainan succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his, just as his father had shown kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to, to Hanan concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, their lord, do you think David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to you only to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanan seized David's envoys, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their garments at the buttocks, and sent them away. When David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet the men, for they were greatly humiliated. 
The king said, stay at Jericho till your beards have grown back, then come back. When the Ammonites realized that they had become obnoxious to David, they hired 20,000 Ar Armenian foot soldiers from Beth Rohab and Zobah, as well as the king of Makkah with 1,000 men and also 12,000 men from Tob. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. The Ammonites came out and drew up from the battle formation at the entrance of their city gate, while the Armenians of Zorba and Rohab and the men of Tob and Makkah were there by themselves in the open country. Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him, so he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Armenian, Armenians. He put the rest of the men under the command of Abishai, his brother, and deployed them against the Ammonites. Joab said, If the Armenians are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to, you to rescue you. Be strong. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. Then Joab and the troops with him advanced to fight the Armenians, and they fled before him. When the Ammonites realized that Ar Armenians were fleeing, they fled before Abishai and went inside the city. So Joab returned from fighting the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. After the Armenians saw that they had been routed by Israel, they regrouped. Hadadezer had Armenians brought from beyond the Euphrates River. They went to Halam with Shobach, the commander of Hadadezer's army, leading them. When David was told of this, he gathered all Israel, crossed the Jordan, and went to Halam. When the Armenians formed their battle lines to meet David and fought against him, but they fled before Israel, and David killed 7,000 of the charioteers and 40,000 of their foot soldiers. He also struck down Shobach, the commander of their army, and he died there. When all the kings who were vassals of Hadadezer saw that they had been routed by Israel, they made peace with the Israelites and became subject to them. So the Arminians were afraid to help the Ammonites anymore. Amen to God's word. All right, so we're checking in. Nice, again, one big stretch, one big sip of water, or coffee, whatever you need this morning. Let's dig in. So, back to the beginning, verse 1, right? David defeats the Ammonites. So, again, to preface all this, um, I'm not an army commander. I have no military experience myself. If you're looking for some, some military perspective on this incredible chapter, go to one of our other amazing teachers. You know, uh, Pastor Jason, Papa Hernandez, you got Nick Ferloni, even Pastor Sean. Like, they have that, that military mindset. I think you can speak more into that military um, uh, perspective on the story. Um, so we're going to get what I have this morning, right? <laughs> more of the, the personal aspect, more than the military aspect. All right. So uh, digging in, um, in the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died. And so the king of the Ammonites is, was Nahash, right? And so the name may sound familiar, maybe it doesn't. If you actually remember from back, way, way back, First uh, Samuel 11, Nabash, the Ammonite, who was the, was the king that actually came and besieged Jabesh Gilead. So at that time, um, he was he's been an enemy of, of the people of Israel that long, right? And that's actually one of, the, the, one of, if not the first enemy that Saul actually came and defeated was Nahash when he came to attack Jabesh Gilead. 
Um, and so at the time, he was an, he's, he's always been an enemy of the people, right? And his son was no exception. So, and yet, as we're taking through this chapter, it says that David thought, I will show kindness to his son, just as his father showed kindness to me. And so, you know, I was even thinking, has, where, where did the kindness come in, right? If he was an enemy of the people, how is he showing kindness towards David? Um, and it's a couple of different things, you know, some, that not much detail was in this, you know, trying to dig into this. Um, however, one, one of the commentaries as the digging through thought that perhaps, um, when David's, David's family came to, um, when he was in the, the cave, uh, first, first Samuel 23, I believe, um, when he was in the cave, he said his family, you know, his family came to, to see him and to, and to get protection, right? And so one of the things actually speaking of is that perhaps that was one of the kings that helped protect his, helped, you know, serve his family. Um, and so later on, other enemies came and killed his family, and one of his brothers actually got away. And so in some of the commentaries, they said that perhaps his brother was actually helped, um, was, was protected by this king. So, again, it's not, the Bible doesn't really have much details in that respect. Um, however, all those details, you know, aside, what you see here is David being kind to someone who was not typically kind to him, or typically not kind to his people, right? Because sometimes it's hard to be kind to those who are not kind to us, right? And again, that's the, the Bible is very clear. It's that we're praying for our enemies. We're showing kindness and, and service and uh, hospitality to those who are not always reflected back to us, right? And so it shows, you know, in the last chapter um, from, from Friday, right, when we see how uh, King David is showing off his his heart, not only to those um, who were his enemies, but also to those who were the sons of, of those who he loved, right, like Jonathan. You know, the last chapter talked about how, you know, he took Jonathan's son into his home and loved him and cared for him and supported him when he didn't have to, you know. This is Saul's, really Saul's grandson, you know, and Saul was so awful to David. And yet David goes out of his way to be kind to those who he didn't have to be kind to, you know. And that's what a true leader does. A true leader is someone who seeks out those, whether they're favorable, even unfavorable to him sometimes, right? And wants to show kindness and mercy and grace and God's love, right? So remember, the Ammonites, they were pagan people. So they didn't know who God was. And yet David is here being an example of God's love to these people that didn't know God, you know? Um, and what happens, right? You know, David has his best intentions, trying to show up, you know, show love, show kindness, and show hate, show sympathy, right? Human emotion. And yet, what happened? He was, it was kicked to the curb. <laughs> you know, the, the people coming around, uh, Hanan, the son, the new king, we're speaking lies into him. We're speaking, you know, negative thoughts. We're speaking suspicion into his head. And that's what led to him going after and attacking these messengers, right? Because the people you have around you, people who are, you know, are speaking into your life are so, so crucial, you know? Because if Hanan had just said, accepted the grace, accepted the sympathy, accepted the kindness without questioning it, how could the story have gone? We don't know, right? Because he had people speaking into his life, speaking suspicion and negativity and just making him feel like there was something wrong with someone showing him kindness, right? Whether that's a physical person maybe you're, you're dealing with today or maybe even the enemy, right? Maybe someone in your life is trying to show you kindness 
And the enemy's trying to sneak into your life and say, oh, don't believe them. Oh, they're not, they're not there for your best intentions. Oh, God's not trying to speak to you through them, you know? And that's, that's what David was doing. David was trying to speak and show God's love to them. But the enemy in, that voice came in to Hanan's life and said, don't believe him, you know? And so at the end of the day, our intentions as Christ followers, they matter, right? No matter what anyone else tries to say or think or believe, our intentions are what we need to, to follow, right? God knows our heart. God knows our intentions. So if our intentions are pure, no matter what happens to anyone or anyone else tries to speak into that, it is what it is, right? Because the, the reality is not everyone will see that or treat our intentions as genuine, you know? What's, what's this famous saying Pastor Brenda always says? You know, heal people, heal people. But the flip side, hurt people, hurt people. So David was, David was healed, right? He was healed from the traumas and, and everything else by pressing into God. And yet Hanan wasn't. He was the hurt people who kept hurting people in return, right? So where we had this morning, we heal people, we hurt people. Follow that intention, right? So moving forward, verse four. So Hanan sees David's envoys, came to show sympathy, shaved off half each man's beard, cut off their garments at the buttocks and sent them away. And this, this act is as, as disgraceful an insult as you can give at that time. In a culture, right? Because in the, the Israelite culture, their beards were signs of, of, of honor, you know? They were signs of, of freedom. Back in that time, if you were clean shaven, it's because you were a slave. But their beards actually were a sign of their freedom, you know? A sign of, of respect, sign of authority, sign of, of you know, that, that maturity, right? In culture and family circles. And so cutting off half of each man's beard was such a mark of disrespect. It showed that they were weak. It showed that they were, you know, were humiliated, you know? And so, so this, this action by Hanan was almost worse than killing them, right? Because if they killed, if they killed them, they would have died with honor. They would have died of, you know, honoring their king and going forward as, as uh, messengers, right? But coming back, having to come back to their families and come back to their, their, their community with half their beards shaved off, it was the ultimate sign of disrespect. And having their garments cut off, you know, exposing themselves, such a sign of disrespect. And yet, what did David do? David, he didn't just sit by and like, oh, well, that sucks, guys. Like, oh, it's too bad. No. Again, David shows his leadership and his, his kindness, his heart to love and honor people well by saying, hey, don't come back yet. He actually had them stay um, in Jericho till the, grew, till the beards grew back, right? So, again, because he took it personally, right? He owned up what happened. He sent these messengers. And he didn't say, oh, well, it's your own fault. He didn't say, oh, well, you did something. You didn't do something. He said, no, I, I own this. I take responsibility for this. I care for you so much that I'm here to, to walk with you through this, right? And so in verse 5, you know, he, like he said, he stays, he says, stay back, stay there. He wasn't going to use them as political tools, right? He was going to, you know, start sending people back and forth and making them into something um, to make himself, you know, look good or make someone else, you know, try and try and play them, right? He's not here to try and play games with people's livelihood, people's honor, right? If you respect others, they respect you. And he knew that. So by showing respect to these men, they're going to show respect back to him, right? So 
all these things we're seeing in David and this grace, this understanding, this sympathy, this honor. These are things we need to ask ourselves. Are we showing God's love that same way? You know, especially those who have been humiliated, those who have been cut down, those who are, you know, going through um, just the thick of it, right? A really hard season, a really hard, you know, something happened to them, right? Are we there showing God's love and grace and honoring them? Or are we going to sit back and say, well, it's, you know, you should have shouldn't have gotten captured. You shouldn't have let this happen to you. That's not what God's love does. That's not what David did, right? Nor should we. Amen. The flip side, the aftermath of all this, right? Like we said in the very beginning, if Hanan had just accepted the sympathy, accepted the grace and the kindness, this all could have been avoided, right? But he didn't. So what happened? They ticked off David, and verse six tells us what happened, right? Um, that the, that when the Ammonites realized that they had become obnoxious to David, they hired twenty thousand Armenian soldier foot soldiers from Beth Rohab and Zobah as well as the king of Makkah with a thousand men and also 12,000 men from Tob. As we kind of see the flip, you know, the little bit deeper details in this, if you go uh, flip over to first Chronicles 19, which at this point we're kind of seeing, you know, where um, the books of Samuel and the books of the Chronicles kind of like coincide, right? The Bible is not written, it's not written chronologically, right? If you actually do have a chance to read the Bible, the Bible chronologically, it's so, so interesting to see how the story's like, weave in and out from different books of the Bible, right? Um, so First Chronicles 19, because it's the same kind of, same uh, context, right? Starting in verse four, you know? Um, and verse four tells us, so Hanan seized David's envoys, shaved them, put off their garments at the buttocks and sent them away. When someone came and told David about the men, he sent the messengers to meet them for they were greatly humiliated. The king said, stay at Jericho till your, your beards have grown and then come back. And this is what we, we plug in now here. The Ammonites seized, when the Ammonites realized that they had become obnoxious to David, Hanun and the Ammonites sent a thousand talents of silver to hire chariots and charioteers from Aram Neharam, Aram Maka, and Zobah. They hired 32,000 chariots and charioteers, as well as the king of Maka with his troops, who came and camped near Medba, while the Ammonites were mustered from their towns and moved for battle. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. Right, so we're seeing what happens, you know. Even more details, like they're, they're paying off people. They're getting thousands upon tens of thousands of soldiers and chariots ready to go and protect themselves, right? David hadn't even come to fight them yet. You know, they heard, they realized that what they did was wrong. And what happened? They got defensive, you know. They didn't try and apologize. They didn't say, oh, hey, you know, it's, we made a mistake, you know, they didn't say anything about um, apologizing to the guys, trying to send sympathy back, went envoy back to David. Again, at this point, remember, David was trying try to show kindness first and wasn't reciprocated. And now when they realized what, what the Ammonites realized what they did was wrong, they, you know, they, they got defensive, they got armies ready, they got more people together, they they wasted their time and their money on what was on what was about to go down, right? In this battle. They, you know, they continued to threaten him, to provoke him. You know, they didn't, they didn't sit back and say, oh, well, we'll give him space and he'll get better. No, they got aggressive, right? And what's worse, they have people with them to get more aggressive, right? So then they're trying to think, oh, we can double up on David. We can double up, triple up, you know, get all these extra people together 
to fight David and the Israelites, you know, to prove we were right, to prove you were really out to get us, to prove that, you know, our point that we, we saw your, your intention wasn't a good intention. So we're going to get people to rally around us and show that we're right and you're wrong in this, these intentions, right? Um, but verse 7, here's what we go back to, um, back to Second Samuel. Verse 7, let's see what happens next, right? On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. So other translations, maybe your translation, um, the fighting men are also known as the mighty men, right? The mighty men of David. These were the, you know, in 1 Chronicles 11, again, you kind of see how it, it kind of like, um, parallels each other, right? Uh, 1 Chronicles 11 details more about the list of all these men and their roles and, you know, who they were, how they were. And these were some incredible men, you know, these guys were, were brave, they were courageous, you know, um, and the reality is that David had such a close relationship with these men, because these men were with him when they needed him most, when he needed them and they needed him, right? These these same mighty men, ones, the ones that were with him in the Adullam cave back in 1 Samuel 22. Um, remember back in uh, 1 Samuel 22, uh, David left Gath. And escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So remember, so, so these men were coming to David when they needed a leader, right? They were in debt, they were in distress, they were discontented, and David's heart spoke to them. Right. He had the heart to care for these guys and rally around them, have community with them. Right. Again, connect groups every single time I'm here. I'm going to say it. Connect groups are so, so important. You know, whether you're maybe you're discontented, maybe you need someone to gather around you. Maybe you're feeling in distress. Like that's what connect groups are for, to rally around each other, to find your voice, to find your community, to find your protection. Right. To find us to face your battles with, you know. I think it's really cool Pastor Brian was sharing us yesterday from uh, 1 Samuel 23, you know, speaking about um, going into to Kayla. But David's men said to him, we are in, Ju- in here in Judah, we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Kayla against the Philistine forces? So again, this was 1 Samuel 23. You know, speaking about going against the Philistines and the men are afraid. They're, you know, they're, not, they're hesitant. They're not trying to go into battle. And yet here, 6, 2 Samuel 10, you know, we see what happens. Over time, you know, if they grow in, in their faith, they grow in trusting God, they grow in seeing what David's done, seeing how David's, you know, been trusted. He's had faith in God. He's grown in trust with God. And because David's grown as a leader, he's grown as a reflection of Jesus to them, you know, showing God's love to them, right? He's growing in these areas. So the men are also growing with him, right? So now when they're going in, in second, uh, second Samuel about, hey, let's, go, let's go face Ammonites. Let's go face, you know, these 32,000 chariots. And charioteers, what happens? The men don't hesitate, you know? They're right there on the front lines ready to go, right? And seeing that change of perspective is so, so crucial in this, right? So the first question, our first application question this morning, if you're writing notes, who is following you? What do they see or feel by following you? And how are you or they facing the battle lines around you, right? Who's following you? Who are the mighty men around you? Who are you following, right? Who's your leader? Who's your David you're trying to follow? 
What do they see and, f- see and feel by following you? Are they growing in trust with God or are they growing away from God? Are they getting ready to face a battle head on with you know eyes faced on, on the cross? Or are you stepping back saying, oh, I'm not ready. Oh, I need more people. Oh, I'm, I'm you know, that's the hesitation we saw in the beginning of the, for these men. Verse, uh, verse nine, Joab, the leader, saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind them. So he selected some of the best troops to deploy against them and to come, come alongside him, right? And he, he takes his, his brother, this is his co-leader, right? Saying, if the Armians are too strong for me, then you are to come to rescue me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to rescue you. And seeing that partnership, that, you know, that's what, that's what brotherhood is, sisterhood is. It's, you know, whether it's family blood or spiritual family, right? It's having someone who's going to fight alongside you as a leader, as a brother, as a sister, who's not, who's going to say, hey, if you're in trouble, I'll come help you. If I'm in trouble, you help me, right? The reciprocal relationship there, right? It's so, so crucial. And what he says, this, this rallying cry, is so powerful, right? This is not just him, but it's for us. We're facing battles this morning, all right? Be strong. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight, right? Uh, having that courage, that strength, knows it's not coming from us, you know? Be strong in what the Lord's calling you in, but be strong in what the Lord has given you, right? 2 Timothy 1.7, the Amplified Version. For those who ask, you know, what is it, right? For God does not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. But in the Amplified Version, it says, he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. We as Christ followers, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. Like Pastor Brand spoke about, right, our navigator, to help navigate us through those, those moments, those situations, those battles we're going to face. To give us courage, to give us power, to give us sound judgment, a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control, as the Amplified Version tells us, right? You know, uh, he says, Joab says, let's be strong for our people and fight bravely for our people in the cities of our God. You know, don't lose sight of what the result is. What's that motivation? What's that, what's God giving you? What's that, that vision, that purpose that's driving you forward, right? Again, the battle is going to loom. It's going to loom over your head sometimes. It's going to be hard to face. If you have the right mindset, the right perspective, you know, the, got that, that word from God, that rhema word to get you through that season, press into that. Trust in that, right? Because remember, there's something else on the other side of that that you're fighting for, and that's what you need to focus on, right? Not, not the immediate, not, the, not just the present, like what's what you're facing, but what God's called you to in the future on the other side of that battle. Amen. And the last part, may God do what is good in his sight. And he, he's trusting in God. He knows in the end, you know, what he does or his brother does, the battle is not in his hands. It's in God's hands. So trust in God's hands in this battle to guide them, right? So, and the best part is, we're facing a battle today. We have the same motivation, those same three lines to, to guide us, to motivate us, right? So if you're facing a battle today, here's your points, your application points for this, this section. How does the Holy Spirit want to give you power, sound judgment, and self-control in the midst of your battle today? Remember what you're fighting for and why it matters. And how can you press into God more and see what his goods, what is good in his sight come to pass in your life? 
keep going on uh, in verse 13. You know, uh, the Joab and his troops were coming to advance. What happened when they advanced? They fled, right? Deuteronomy 28, 7 reminds us, the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. That same promise we see from the Old Testament and from um, the Israelites in the desert to David to us now still stands. Amen. That th those who are coming as our enemies to come against us, you know, they come from one direction, they flee from seven. So if you're feeling surrounded like these men were, right, the, one side from, from before them and behind them, they're feeling closed in, right? And yet what happens? It doesn't even say what, doesn't say what happened. It doesn't say what they, what, there was any fighting going on. It says the troops advanced to fight them, which means the battle didn't happen yet. They advanced to fight them. They showed confidence. They showed trust in God. They took that step forward in faith. And what happened? The enemy fled. It was all for a show, right? You have all these thousands of soldiers, chariots, horses, everything. And yet they advanced to, to fight and they fled before them. That was it. And then what happened? When the Ammonites realized that the Arameans were, were fleeing, they fled before Abishai, right? So we're seeing the same thing again, where it's, look, you know, the enemies partnering together and they both fled because two people, two people came together in God's name, trusting in God together, Joab and Abishai. And so two people coming together, both enemies fled from both these men, right? That community, again, community coming together, finding someone to walk alongside you, to fight alongside you. Your enemies will flee before you. Trust and faith and confidence in God leads the way to advance that fight, and he has to flee. Amen. God's promises still stand. You're going to close out here. Uh, last section, verse 15. Um, after the after you know the enemies had had realized what happened that they were getting routed that they were getting you know um, advanced upon by the Israelites, they regrouped because one sometimes in your life, the enemy just won't attack you once. He'll try and attack you again. He'll regroup and try and attack you again, right? So we need to be prepared and continually on alert. Um, the other kings are coming together and they're uh, coming together to, to with hated Dezer, you know, getting more people, more kings, more soldiers to regroup, you know, going um, with Shobak, the commander of Hebedezer's army leading them. Hey guys, we're gonna try this again. We're gonna, you know, regroup. We're gonna, you know, come against, get someone else on our side. Get someone else to to another coworker, another you know, another manager, another friend, another whoever it may be. Right? Let's try and get someone else on our side to come against to come against you, right? And what happened? When David was told of this, he gathered all Israel, crossed the Jordan, and went right into the battle. Went right to Halon, where everything was happening. And again, the Armenians formed their battle lines to meet David and fought against him, but they fled before Israel. Again, these so they had more reinforcements. More attacks. And what happened? God's people still stood, right? Remind, you know, First Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And all of God, and the God of all grace, who called you to the, his internal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. David came into this battle firm, strong, and steadfast. He knew God's spirit. He knew what God had called him to. He was ready to attack his enemy, right? And what happened? The enemy fled. You know, again, all this, this 
this wasted time, wasted money, wasted energy by the, the enemies, by the, all these kings, all these soldiers, right? It's all for nothing because God's people came together. And we saw, you know, so Abishai, Joab had victory, Abishai had victory, and David had victory, right? All three times, three times over a victory in this chapter, right? Because no matter how many times the enemy tries to come against you, when God's on your side, he will flee before you. Amen. And so you're coming into a battle today. You're coming in, into feeling attacked. You have multiple, you know, multiple attacks from different sides, from different people. In the end, keep pressing into God. Keep pressing into this battle. Keep pressing into, you know, what he's called you to. Keeping your eyes focused on what, what the why behind the what is. What's your why? What, why is God calling you in the season, right? And what happened in verse 19? And all the kings who are vassals, the underlings of Hadadazar, saw that they had been routed by Israel. They made peace with the Israelites and became subject to them. So not only was it enough that they fled, they made peace and become, sub- become servants. They become subject, become um, over, overruled by the Israelites, by God's people. Be- why? Because they stood firm. David stood ready to go. And because he trusted in God to bring victory, it brought peace. Peace among the Israelites and peace among even those around them, right? So third point as we close out today, how can standing your ground and trusting in the Lord's victory bring peace to you and those around you today? What's God calling you to overtake, to make subject to you? If you stand in victory, stand in truth, stand in what he's called you to. So to close out, Again, reviewing our application points for your, your uh, notes this morning for your, you know, for your heart check, your mind check, that reminder I need this morning too. Point one, who is following you? Who are those mighty men? Or who are you following? Who's your David in this season? What do, what do they or you see or feel by following those around you? How are you or your mighty men around you facing the battle lines around you? Are you growing in faith? Are you growing in trust? Are you growing in, hey, this next battle, we can take them? Or are you still stuck in 1 Samuel, where these guys were when we first met them, being scared and timid and hiding in the cave? Where are you this morning? Second point, if you're facing a battle today, how does the Holy Spirit want to give you power, sound judgment, and self-control in the midst of it? What is that why behind the what that you're fighting for? And how can you press into God more to see what, is good in his sight come to pass in your life. And third point as we close out, how can standing your ground and trusting the Lord's victory bring you peace and bring peace to those around you today? Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Thank you for the victories we saw in the Old Testament and from Exodus to Deuteronomy, the battles and victories we saw in David's time, God, and even in Saul's time. And the same victories you have for your people today, God. You're a God of victory. Jehovah Nisi, fight our battles. As the song goes, God, thank you that we get to trust in you. We get to walk with you and you get to walk with us. Thank you that we can press into you this morning and, and never we need you, God, because you're always there for us. You never leave us nor forsake us. Help us remember that today, God. Help us to be like David, to be a good leader, be a good friend, be a good sister or brother, God, that shows kindness, that shows love, that shows honor, that shows grace, that shows respect. It shows understanding. It seeks to be one who brings peace and brings healing and wholeness to others, God. Protect us and our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, God, as we continue forward. 
help us to re- reflect you to those who need you most, especially those guys who don't know you, those who are the, the pagan kings in our lives, God, pagan soldiers who don't know you. Help us to fight our battles with our eyes fixed on you and help us in the, in the meantime to draw others closer to you, God, whether they're followers, whether they're pagans, God, like David, help us be a leader that draws others to you, God, by what we show others, by our good intentions, by a heart that loves and seeks you first. And then we pray and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a great rest of your morning, Fusion fam. Thank you so much for joining us today with for soaping. Can we see you again soon? God bless. Keep digging into God's word and keep walking in victory today. Amen.